Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman splaining with me, David Yoder, and my uninformed friend, Dennis St. John. So, Dennis, what comic did you read this time of Superman? Wait, what? <laughs> just, just kidding. But, uh, um, no, I read some Superman comics, and I'm going to tell you about it. I'm David, and who are you, Dennis? Uh, yeah, I'm Dennis. Uh, I guess I should say, maybe I'll put in here that we did that aborted episode with the the trivia. So your trivia points are at 276 right now. Oh, how so. exciting for me. Dooms, yay. Dooms, yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I should say, first of all, you have 272 points, so you need 28 more points to read the next comic of your choosing. And these are all going to be regular value points, just two points with the choices. So your first question, how long does Superman stay dead? Uh, he stays dead for four months of Reign of Superman, and it's what, what are we, how many months of Funeral for a Fender are we on? Like 16, something like that? Um, 16 months? <laughs> yeah, seems that way. Uh, no, I think he stays dead for about six months. Oh my, I think you just got five points. Wait, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I, I should not give away. Nope. You guessed one of the choices that's not the right answer. I know my own questions. Okay, so your other choice is nine months or a whole year. I'll say nine months. Yeah, considering I thought that six months was right, that's that's right. That So you get two points for that. Can we just uh, stop for a second and say that I yeah. really liked your new drawing you did of for the Superman explaining? Oh, thanks. That yeah, was really I, funny. I wanted to do something. I think I might try to do a drawing with us as the reign of Superman when we get to that. Yeah, you know what? It's area. funny. I was so, just sketching that also because I thought of that after I saw that. That's I was well, you a, wanna... I was a little late to the starting the meeting because I lost track of time because I was drawing you as the Eradicator. That's fun. Yeah, maybe we could each take two of them and then like I don't know. Anyway, we'll figure it out. I have another trivia question for you. How long does Superman rock a mullet? Oh my gosh. For like way too long. Yeah. I'd say like five years. Five years? That's a healthy guess. That's not one of the choices. But So A is one year, one month. B is two years, two months. Or C is three years and three months. Uh, Three years and three months. Yes. September 1993 until December 1996. <laughs> Do you know... I mean, I didn't reread it, but like I found the issue. Do you know when or why he gets his hair cut? He never cuts his hair. He just becomes like a blue alien, right? He becomes like a blue energy Superman. No, his hair does get short before the electric blue oh, period. I thought that was how they finally got rid of it. And I was always yeah, like... I thought it went right up to it too, but it was the wedding issue. When he gets married, I guess Lois was like, you got to cut that shit oh, here. Wow. You got to get a haircut. All right. I have one more trivia question for you. All right. Can you guess what the question will be? <laughs> no. <laughs> the The level of mind reading you expect from me is... Uh... 
Okay, well, how long is Superman the electric Superman? A surprisingly long time. He is the electric Superman for five months. Ooh, that's a short amount of time given the options here. <laughs> a, 12 months, oh, B, God. 18 months, or C, 24 months. Jeez. Uh, 18 months. Oh, that's the first one you got wrong. It is 12 months. It's May <sighs> 1997 goodness. to May 1998. That's so long. That's so long to be this thing. Yeah. And I know he becomes both blue and red Superman at a point. That's really when I like stopped reading Superman comics and never really picked them back up. <laughs> you did get four whole points, so that that's good. So you have 276 right now. All right. Slowly building my way up. Yeah. But as you know, you get five points for a correct answer. You know, this is what this is all about. It's not really about Superman anymore. It's just about trivia <laughs> questions and trivia points. It's about the um, points. You get two points with those choices. You get to read a comic of your picking for every 50 points. I'm in the middle of editing the Madman Hullabaloo episode. And so you got to get pick comics at least that good from now on. Oh, well, <laughs> that's up to Superman creators to do. Okay. Well, your current points are 276. That's where you're at. And the first comic we're going to talk about, we're talking about a few, um, a couple like special issues that came out. I think I talked about already. There was like a Superman special that like Walt Simonson did. I think that's one, one that came out around this time as well, but there's the legacy of Superman, Supergirl and team Luther and this news time, like fake magazine publication. <laughs> it was all to, done to kind of like pad out where they didn't have regular Superman books on the shelves. I guess it was like two months without a Superman title before the adventures of Superman number 500, which is what we'll finish things off with today. Cool. Yeah. And these also, I guess, add to the hype of like, he's dead because we're doing specials, you know? Right. Yeah. The Superman special that Walt Simon said it did was kind of like out of continuity, but then all these other ones are dealing with like third tier characters and whatnot. And like Supergirl gets her own book, which is cool. Yeah. But like I said, the first comic we're going to talk about is The Legacy of Superman, number one. Art Adams did a cover for it. This is maybe the highlight of the book, is this Art Adams cover. It's really cool. Yeah, Art Adams. But I have a trivia question for you about it. Why does Rose Forrest return to fighting crime as Thorn in The Legacy of Superman? Because she's inspired by The Legacy of Superman. It's in the title. That's a good reason. That... Maybe kind of is what it is, but I'll give you the choices that I have here. She hey, falls she in love with Crime Buster. It's Gang Buster, <laughs> not just Crime Buster. I mean, like, not that that's like a much better name, but um, yeah. A, she witnesses a murder. B, there's a kidnapping of a political leader. Or C, her VCR gets stolen. I think it's C, her VCR gets stolen. That's why she returns to fighting crime. Isn't that crazy? I love it. Way to go, DC. I don't know if I even really need to say more about her story than that, but uh, there's five different stories in this. The first one is called The Guardians of Metropolis, and Carl Kessel is doing the story, and Walter Simonson 
is on art for this one. And this is kind of about Guardian and Cadmus peoples. So at this point in time, Cadmus still has Superman's body. And they were kind of having trouble pulling his DNA to make a clone, which is what they want to do, or what Westfield wants to do anyway. So they do an electron capillary scan to get the DNA of Superman onto what appears to be a floppy disk with (laughs) approximations and educated guesses to translate into human terms. Uh So, like, they're really, like, having to fill in from this Kryptonian DNA to make sense. Yeah, they're really Jurassic parking this. Yeah, they used, what was it, chicken DNA? Frog. Chicken would have made more sense. No, they used frog DNA. They use frog, I guess. It's been a while since I've seen the original. Uh, or any, I like any this. Jurassic Park, to be honest. <laughs> well, we won't get into that because it's not a Jurassic Park explaining podcast. I like this splash cover just because it's fun to see Walt Simonson draw like a crazy-looking Superman drawing. Um, yeah, the perspective is really like stretched on that, but like I like how his eyeball is getting scanned by this device. Yeah. It appears that his cape and his costume and stuff have healed. I guess so. I do have questions about when, like, Superman's getting his DNA. They're trying to take it. Like, they keep him in full outfit. <laughs> and, like, when some other company has, like, Doomsday, I guess. But they're they're not indecent about it. They keep his shorts and his boots on him. And it's just, like, that's how autopsies work, is you get to wear your normal clothes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, these scientists, they run their tests on Superman. They want to run more tests, though, on this data that they pull from him. But Westfield, who's like not a great guy, if you haven't gathered that yet, who's in charge of Cadmus still for some reason, he wants Superman clones like right now. But Guardian suggests like, hey, why not make clones of me instead? <laughs> and one of Nobody the news- likes you, Guardian. One of the newsboys has a reaction to that. Dennis, if you could read number one there on that list I sent you. Neat. And maybe we could all be a little different, you know, so everyone's so everyone can tell them apart. Give them different body types or skin colors. Maybe even make one or two of them goyles. Uh-huh. So no reason to have a reaction to that. <laughs> Put in the program to make their skin colors different or... Anyway, uh, moving on, <laughs> Westfield shows that he's already made a Guardian clone named Oron, like Sauron, but without the S, like it's A-U-R-O-N. It's a dumb name. <laughs> but Dennis, let's hop right back into it. Let's, let's get that Oron description from a scientist, if you could read number two. Oron, super soldier of the future. Oron has augmented strength and is sheathed in indestructible alloys molecularly integrated into his skin. He's solar-powered and doesn't normally need to breathe, eat, or sleep. Oron's jetpack computer is cybernetically linked with his mind. Information, orders, thoughts can be fed directly into his brain and accepted without question. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, he doesn't normally need to eat, breathe, or sleep, but maybe sometimes (laughs) he does it because he likes to do it, you know. (laughs) Yeah, we all have our guilty pleasures, like breathing. This Oron creation was kind of like a side project that Westfield did that was kept a secret. And so the other scientists are not happy about that. And Oron, like I said, is a clone of Guardian, or er, is a clone of 
Guardian. He's a clone of Jim Harper, who is a clone of Guardian. Like, so they're a clone from the same material, basically. That's all you need to know. He's got clones on clones on clones. Clones on clones. So Westfield takes this opportunity to try to put Oron into a special maneuver to grab that disc, you know, that he needs the Superman DNA on. And the Newsboy Legion, they get that disc instead, though, and they, they run away with it. And they race past Dubalex, and they get in their whiz wagon, normally named vehicle, and Oron catches up to them, crashes the whiz wagon. They, they fly over what's left of the tree village thing from the Kirby era, era, you know, that got destroyed by Doomsday, though. But as Oron's, you know, getting ready to take the disc by any means, means necessary, the newsboys remind him that Oron like Jim Harper should do the right thing or would, you know, because he is Jim Harper should do the right thing. So the right thing that he does is he throws a trash can through Sal's pizzeria. I mean, (laughs) he takes Superman's DNA disc. He scans it into his computer mind and then he flies off into space with it. So that, okay. So Westfield doesn't have it, but it's with, just a random traveling space or on. I don't know if this character will ever come back. Like I, like if I had you make predictions for this show, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I have an honest prediction cause I have no recollection. Yeah. Or on the moron. Quit boron me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the next story is this Rose forest slash thorn story. And I, the fact that her name is Rose Forest, like her last name is Forest, and her alias is Thorn. It's called Sister Act. Roger Stern is the writer. Dennis Rodier, Roger, whatever. Dennis, Dennis, you're the penciler. And Andy Parks is the inker. So crime is up in Metropolis and Superman is dead. And as we talked about in the trivia question, Rose Forest gets her VCR stolen. So of course that makes her alter ego thorn come out to track it down like that's that's the story <laughs> she does get the vcr back if you were wondering so you know that's great also, those things are valuable also yeah i mean i guess in 92 i mean dvds are still a while away getting a working vcr now is maybe more valuable than it was in the early 90s because you know like they're not making more vcrs yeah that's true they're not but apparently, this is a thing I didn't realize, but Rose does not know that she has this other identity. Oh. Like, it's like a weird, like, comic book form of dissociative identity disorder or something. Right. Like, she finds her lair where she has all of her thorn stuff, but then, like, her thorn alter ego tells her that she'll forget about it again or something. Uh, she's been a thorn in her side her whole life. Yeah. Every... Every thorn has its rose. Is that the saying? Um, yeah. Also, just to mention, because it's in the comic, there's a Native American fencer of stolen goods who is named Cherokee. Mm. Moving on, Gangbuster is the next story. <laughs> um, Gangbuster Rabbit. Yeah. Gangbuster Rhymes. It's called Gangbuster of Suicide Slum. And Dennis... Janke, another dentist, is the penciler on this one. 
Mike Macklin is the inker, and Jerry Ordway is the writer. So, apparently, Gangbuster is going a little too hard on the criminals. Like, he's really taking out his aggression, probably because Cat Grant dumped him. You know, he's, he's not a happy man. But there's this police inspector, Henderson, who knows that Gangbuster is Jose Delgado, and he meets him at Superman's memorial statue, where Gangbuster is dropping off a criminal with a sign that he puts on him that says, I sell guns to kids or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But Henderson warns Delgado that the thugs have pressed criminal charges against him, I guess, and tells him to leave Metropolis and even goes so far as to give him a bus ticket. But we'll see if he takes that advice. Uh, more like a buster ticket. What? I don't know. They can't all be good. Well, no, what did you say? Because... <laughs> Oh, he said more like a buster ticket. Buster ticket. Like bus ticket? Because his name is Gangbuster. Oh, oh, buster ticket. Yes, okay. Now I'm on board with it. Wordplay. I like it. So, I just didn't know where buster was coming on. I so thought barely any wordplay at all. Well, I was thinking buster ticket is a thing that I should know what it is, and I don't know what you're referring to. But it's the character Gangbuster who we're talking about. I'm glad to finally be able to Superman-splain something to you. <laughs> anyway, the next story, and remember this, there's this, the five stories in this comic that I read. This one is called Funeral Pyres. William Messner Loeb's is the writer on it. Kurt Swan is the penciler, and Joseph Rubenstein is the inker. It was oh. interesting, like, Kurt Swan, I think, maybe has a couple more years left in him at this point so to see him still drawing comics like it's admirable at least in that sense i guess but it's also a little strange to see him drawing like lex luther jr where it's yeah like, i should not be seeing kurt swan having to draw this that's character. so interesting you know what i i didn't look who the penciler was but you sent me an image for the first page and i was distracted about like this lex luther jr image looking strange to me like mm-hmm. wow it, so there's this kid named Davood, D-A-V-O-O-D, and he has a power belt. He goes by the name Sinbad for when he's doing metahuman stuff. Is uh, he named after the sailor or the comedian? Well, I think more the... Uh, or like a statement. Sinbad. Maybe a statement. <laughs> Sinbad. Money good. No, um, <laughs> I love that you're cracking yourself up, but it's not picking up on the mic, so that's great. <laughs> oh my god! I can't uh, I said that. <laughs> you're you're in a certain mode today. <laughs> yeah, I'm really tired. I didn't get a lot of sleep. Oh, so you're a little punchy with those word jokes. Yeah. Um, Les, can I tell you what I did last night after yeah. the Jim Henson exhibit? We went to this tiki lounge. That's fun. Yeah, it was fun. We didn't get back. I didn't get back home until like almost two, partially because it's the tiki thing was in D. I mean, sorry, not in DC, in the city. We drove like half of the way back before we realized a member of our party forgot her wallet at the bar, so we had to drive back. Oh man, that's never fun. I I remember in the days of going to bars more, where like uh, when you would like start a tab at a bar. And then you wouldn't realize till the next morning that like you left your card at the bar and you like never closed out the bar or the tab and signed for it. 
Yeah. I the the night where I we used my card and people Venmoed me, but after the podcast I'll tell you how much I spent last last night cuz it was crazy. Ooh, maybe that can be a trivia question for me. But going back to this David slash Sinbad guy, he's from a previous Superman story that I kind of have a vague memory of. He's apparently supposed to be like from this made up country that they made up, the Karak. So he's Karaki. Oh, so I remember little, Karak. Uh, what? I remember you talking about Karak. Yeah. But he has an older sister named Sor- Soraya who works for Lex 2 in like a secretary pool or something. Anyway, weapons get delivered to LexCorp, and apparently some terrorists know that weapons are getting delivered there because they show up to steal the weapons, and they shoot Soraya's co-worker. And we see one of the guy's faces, and Lex tells Soraya, I cannot say this name, the Bleeding Terror Masters are the ones that did it, so he like knew the name. So David and Soraya track down this bad guy, the bad guy shoots the gun that they stole, and he hits Davood, but he's fine because he has his power belt. But I guess they shoot it like a couple times, and this floating head appears out of the gun of Lex 2 and tells them that he rigged the gun to explode, and so they all die in an explosion except for Davood and his sister, so they fly off safe, and that's the end of that story. That's a odd story. <laughs> yeah, it was rather, like, does this need to be like 64 pages or one? Like maybe it was because our Adams had already drawn the character on the cover that they felt like they had to include him. I don't know. I mean, it seems like a strange choice to bring Kurt Swan back and then do a story like that. Right. Yeah. It's not a classic. I mean, I guess we're not really having Superman much at all in these because he's dead. Right yeah. Now. But it feels like Kurt Swan. You're like, let's do a story with like Jimmy and Lois or something. Right. Yeah, that would have been nice. Like to get an actual human angle of like how they're reacting to this going on. There is for all the like like funeral for a friend for lasting for so long, like yeah, I don't have much of an idea of how Jimmy's taking it other than we'll find out later in like the news time and things that I guess he's not showing up for his Turtle Boy tapings. So they're having to show reruns of his TV show that he's doing while he's also got a full-time job as a photographer (laughs) at the Daily Planet. It's very strange. Like, it's like he got stuck in this contract that he couldn't get out of to be a TV star. And it's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But the last story in this Legacy of Superman has no title, or maybe it is Vanishing Point, but it's a Dan Juergens story in layouts with Trevor Scott finishes of course, I said Dan Jurgens, so it's about time travel and the linear men who exist at the van- vanishing point, which is outside of time, as you will remember, maybe. So Wave Rider, he's finished his training. To, he's now officially a linear man, and he's ready for his first job. And his first job is to visit the time that Superman died, which is very shortly after that photocopy time adventures that Wave Rider had with Superman recently. And Wave Rider, being a rebel, of course he wants to just go back and change it so that Superman doesn't die. Matthew, this is where this stuff gets confusing as it always does. Matthew Rider, who's the leader of Linear Men and an alternate timeline version of Wave Rider. He's the one that grew up in the non-Armageddon 2001 monarch timeline. He's like from the the corrected timeline of what Wave Rider did. Anyway, he convinces wave writer not to change this past event 
And Dennis, if you could read number three, that will explain how he does it. As long as we're at it, we might as well save a few more important lives, too. Normal people who contributed to a great a great deal to mankind. I'm sure NASA or Star Labs would love to have Albert Einstein working for them in the 90s. And what about Martin Luther King Jr.? The world would always benefit from his message, and Albert Schweitzer could even help in their search for the AIDS cure. Come to think of it, I wouldn't mind hearing some new Beethoven material. Yeah, let's keep Beethoven alive to the 1990s. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of like Beethoven jazz or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I also like that you corrected it as you read it, but in the comic it just says Martin Luther King. It doesn't say Martin Luther King Jr. Like... Maybe Matthew Ryder doesn't know his history very well, and he would bring back... Right, he brings back Martin Luther King's dad. <laughs> Martin Luther King's dad. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell in some of the images I sent for this one, but there are, like, a bunch of reused drawings from Superman number 75 in this story. Uh-huh. Like, okay. <laughs> but also, it's weird that this story and the, the first one I talked about, the Guardian Oron story, they're in... And, of course, I have it, but they're in this... Uh, world without a superman trade collection which has like all the funeral for a friend stuff but you know what's not in this collection is the justice league funeral for a friend comic which like i feel like more directly ties in that sounds like a uh sorry Uh uh-oh yeah um your video is frozen right now i don't know if you can well you froze on my end i think it's because my mom's using the microwave to make some dinner for herself just give it a second Hold on, let me send it. Okay, yeah, let's just hang out for a second. You're still, uh, I can hear you, but your image is frozen. All right, you look You look back to me. Uh, maybe not. Did you get that message then? Okay. I think I heard it beeping, baby. We're okay now. <laughs> um, but did you need me to repeat anything from <laughs> those radio waves? Yeah. Uh. And an idea, and a, I feel like in a sci-fi movie or something, a microwave would actually speed up your internet. Not when you have Xfinity. No, I don't know. It's just it, that's the only connection I can see. I heard it. I heard it beeping. And it, um. <laughs> hey, ma, don't use the microwave. <laughs> Wait to eat dinner till I'm done with my podcast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, did you get the thing I said about the trade collection doesn't have that Justice League funeral for a friend issue though? Yeah, that seems like an, uh, oversight. Yeah, it's just weird choice. Like why put the one and not the other? Anyway, that's the end of that Legacy of Superman comic thing. And let me go on to the next trivia question for you. And it's in regards to Supergirl and Team Luther. Look at them working together. Just a couple of heroes. So, how does Lex 2 get revenge on Markham for hiring Hellgramite to kill Lex and Supergirl and Team Luther? And Markham was the dirty business guy that hired that bug guy to kill Lex 2. Okay. He decides to use him as a genetic engineering experiment. That's a cool choice. I like that. I'll give you the actual choices, though. He frees Hellgramite and has him kill Markham instead. Or B, he has Supergirl shapeshift as Hellgramite to get Markham's confession. 
Or C, he frames Markham for crimes that Lex committed. I feel like the framing is a more of a Lex Luthor kind of move. But maybe that's Lex Luthor Sr. So I'll I'll say that he used Supergirl, because this is a Supergirl and Team Luthor title. Yeah, that may be giving it away, I realize, after the fact, when it's like Supergirl is more prominent. But yes, it is that he uses Supergirl. So you're two for two on these trivias so far. That's pretty good. All right. All right. There's only two stories in this comic. There's like one, the first one's like a longer, bigger deal. And then a second, like shorter story, which is kind of strange. But the main story is called The Future of Metropolis. Roger Stern is the writer. June Brigman is on layouts. And Jackson Geis and Dennis Janke are on finishes. So Supergirl is working with Team Luther, and I wonder, does she get a salary? Like, you know, because <laughs> he has those guys in the robot suits. That's what Team Luther is. And then I also wonder in this time, like, why isn't she just shape-shifting to be like to look like Superman, to be a replacement Superman for this time? I mean, it would be confusing, yeah. but like maybe it would help to deter crime because it seems like that's like all I keep reading over and over again is like crime is up so much because people are like, Oh, there's no Superman out now. So I the can only thing, steal yeah. this VCR. <laughs> I got two episodes of X-Files on VHS and I need to watch them. Oh my goodness. If it's that one with the time loop at the, the bank robbery, then that'd be a good one. <laughs> X-Files might not have aired yet. I don't, I might've messed up there. 92. It seems like it would be like right on the cusp. Yeah. But like a more real answer why she's maybe not doing it besides it would just be confusing to people is I'm remembering now is that Supergirl had a weird thing. I, I don't even know if this is I can't remember if these are in like comics that I covered with you or just ones that I have read on my own time that I did not put to podcast before the whole triangle number thing. She for a while was pretending to be Clark Kent and staying with Ma and Pa Kent, it was like she was also stuck maybe in that like uh, that form, and like huh. she had kind of like gained some of his memories through some process or other. And this was while Superman was off Earth because he was so feeling guilty about having killed those Kryptonians in an alternate. This is too much explanation, but anyway. She kind of got like a little bit crazy by thinking that she was Clark because she was like in his form for so long and stuff. Okay, yeah. I th- you might have told me about this, but I don't remember if it was on podcast or not. Yeah, just in our casual like everyday conversation that we have about Superman that yeah. isn't recorded. <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, Lex uh, this story starts out with Lex 2. He's got this like pitch reel for the city council of Metropolis to sell them on Team Luther and that Supergirl is working with Team Luther and he wants the same police powers that they gave to Superman. And Dennis, if you could read number four for Lex's pitch on this. All right. And it's a lot of words. I'm sorry. And I'm not <laughs> going to do the accent because I was never no, good no, at no. it. And I feel like maybe they've dropped the whole he's Australian thing. <laughs> he might throw a bloodier g'day in every now and then, but yeah, it's not really there. Superman made people feel secure, protected. They came to rely on him. Now he's gone. They're in a terrible state. Street crime is skyrocketing. And whether we like it or not, vigilante justice has come to our fair city. That mystery woman, the Thorn, has come out of the woodwork again. 
and that self-appointed gangbuster, Jose Delgado, continues to take the law into his own hands. If something isn't done soon, Metropolis could go the way of Gotham City. <laughs> Please understand, <laughs> we do not propose Team Luther as a replacement for Superman. Rather, we propose a change. While he lived, Superman was a deterrent to the common criminal, but he was also an irresistible target for the most powerful menaces of our time. Not to speak ill of the dead, but Superman's presence resulted in Metropolis being besieged by the likes of the Eradicator, that green devil Brainiac, and of course, Doomsday. Thank you. And I always loved, like, not to be this, but, and then you just say the thing anyway. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're not really, <laughs> you're still doing that thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. But the city council is not really sold on this pitch, and they don't want to give Lex these powers, because, like, you know, this new Lex, people are still worried he's, like, his dad. They want to know who's, in like, ultimately responsible for these, like, guys in these robot suits that go to, like, save kittens from trees or whatever. Meanwhile, Supergirl, though, she's rescuing actual people from the Doomsday Rebel, and um, oh, people are still stuck in the doomsday rubble. Well, she saves one person, but there are many that are not so lucky. There's like a bunch of like just like covered bodies that are there. And after this rescue, Supergirl gets hounded by a bunch of reporters. She spots Lois Lane and she decides to get out of there and grab Lois and flies Lois to the Daily Planet. She kind of unloads on Lois instead of giving Lois a chance to talk to her about her grief. So that's a little weird, but it's in there. And then, you know, but we, we don't get much of like to know how Lois is feeling. It's more about like Supergirl saying like, don't worry. I think you, Lana, the Kents and I are the only ones that know about Clark's secret. And she's like, well, maybe Batman because <laughs> <laughs> nobody could really figure out their relationship. Yeah. Like I mentioned in the question, though, how Gramite kind of comes into play in this story, he's still being held at Star Labs, and Karen Faulkner, a.k.a. Rampage, she's that scientist lady that turns into the Mohawk, orange-skinned, like, cousin of Mongol, maybe, you know, or the, <laughs> yeah. the same. Anyway, she's in her human form, though, and she's giving a tour to a researcher who turns out to be a terrorist, part of... DMT and it references an older Superman issue that I didn't bother to drag out. I don't know what DMT. I feel like DMT is like the pesticide used to kill bugs or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what DDT or it's like um, <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's like one. It's a little bit weaker dynamite. It's not TNT. <laughs> if I'm gonna guess what the acronym acronym stands for, it's like Department of Metropolis Terrorists. Maybe that's what DMT. <laughs> Like, they're very official. Dynamite Metropolis today. Sure, yeah, blow it up. <laughs> and it, it turns out, though, that Lex hired this terrorist to, to do this crime just so that he could come in with his team, Luther, to save the day. So Classic false flags. Yeah. While in that city council meeting, he gets the message about what's going on at Star Labs and he tells city council, like, I'll be the one in charge. And that's where he gets, the, like, the double L suit that is on the cover and in some of the images I sent you. And so he gets to have his action moments flying with rocket boots and stuff. I like that his super suit has, like, an extra big head. Maybe just to, like, give his hair space. 
<laughs> that might be it. It's interesting how, like, all the other Team Luther guys are, like, these faceless goons, but, like, his face is very prominent when he's in a in an yeah. outfit. He's got to show off those curly locks. Um, Listen, he spent a lot of money genetic, genetically engineering that hair. Yeah, you know. He's like, make me look like Jonathan Glover. Um, but Lex and... Well, Team Luther and Supergirl, they do show up and they do save the day. They're victorious. But the building like kind of falls down on top of them and Lex breaks a leg somehow in this robot suit that he's wearing. So Dr. Gretchen Kelly, a.k.a. Lex 2's fake mom, um, (laughs) she like puts the cast on his leg. Or I guess in my notes, I say that she dresses Lex's wounds as Lex dresses her down. He kind of scolds her for trying to be high and mighty with him when she's been involved with this secret plot about her being his mom and stuff. It seems like maybe too many people know about the Lex two, like being Lex one. Like I'm, I don't think Gretchen Kelly's long for this world with the way he was talking to her. Not smart Gretchen, but Supergirl tries to soothe an angry Lex by morphing into Lucy Ricardo, Princess Leia, and someone like in a jade dress that I didn't really recognize. That's probably like problematic. It's, yeah, I think it's Dragon Lady from uh, Wash Tubs Mil- and Milton Kniff. Yeah, I think it's Mil- it's a Milton Kniff drawing for sure that they're referencing. That's what I thought it was. It's just like I barely have an idea of who that is as a big comic nerd and like. Just to think about putting in a kid's comic in the 90s, you know, it's like yeah. it's a pretty deep pool. Well, um, obviously the artists would be fans, right? Sure. Are you looking up Dragon Lady? From- yeah, just for my own pleasure. Yeah, it's totally her. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's, okay. Yeah, I'm glad your brain got there. I was like 50% there, but I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> But, That's weird that this alien would be like Lex Luthor really has a thing for Dragon Lady. I feel like I have to stop saying that name also. Yeah, it's probably not great. Apologies. But less offensively, she transforms into Dr. Gretchen Kelly, as I mentioned, because she sees her as, you know, Lex's mom. And so she kind of scolds Lex as his mom, which is weird to do. So a weird. Such a weird thing to happen. Um,. But that gives Lex two an idea. That's the idea to have Supergirl pretend to be Hellgramite and like break into Markham's house and get a confession out of him that Lex gets on tape. And then Supergirl also has like kind of a rough time like transforming back to her normal shape because it was like such a weird form to take on huh. and stuff. She has limits. But they get the confession and Markham gets arrested. So that's a happy ending, I guess. <laughs> And uh, I'll try to not go so long on the next one. It's a short story. It's just called Shelter. Louise Simonson is the writer. Dennis Roger Rodier. R-O-D-I-E-R. I have no idea how to pronounce. Anyway, he's always every month and I don't know. Anyway, he does the art. But Underworlders are suffering from the flooding that happened back when Clark or Superman's tomb, blah, blah, blah. So there's these... Underworld underworlders mitts grub and firecracker they go to check out a new shelter that lex 2 built 
and but they soon get found out that their disguises don't work. It's basically like Ninja Turtles, like cloaks and hats sort of thing. <laughs> nice. The regular people start fighting the freaks, and guns even get drawn. And then Firecracker, who I guess can start fires, accidentally starts a fire. <laughs> and so Lex 2 gets alerted. Supergirl goes to the shelter to save the day. You know, everything gets taken care of pretty much, but the Underworlders leave dejected. And Dennis, if you could read number five. Yeah, Cracker caused the fire. He sparks when he's nervous. You'd be nervous too if they was trying to beat you to a bloody pulp just because you look different than them. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. I just thought it was interesting that that's the point that they made to Supergirl, who's a shapeshifter, who's right. like normal, like I would say like other than the Supergirl shape, her matrix shape seems to be like the purple blobby shape thing, like after she got punched by Doomsday. And for some reason, it seems like she cannot relate to these underworlders. Oh, weird. Uh, I would have assumed that that was the point of like... <laughs> nope, she's, really... worried, she's worried about these underworlders that they have powers and that like how many of them have powers and she's like being consoled by lex and he says that he'll investigate into these underworlders like they're the problem oh my gosh wow all right anyway the issue ends with some pinups by john byrne carrie gamble who also did the cover art thurbert and tom grummet and they all seem kind of like alternate covers for this comic like basically like they took just a bunch of pitches and you know yeah these are interesting. I'm able to look at these for those who don't get what's happening. I like the burn one a lot, actually. Yeah, it's a nice, a classic drawing. The Thibbert one? Tibbert? Yeah, I think that's the one where she's... No, wait, maybe Gamel's the one where she's crashing through the Lex Tower. Thibbert is the one with all the the goons with the guns. This one I truly do not like. No. Like, it's such a, like, trying to do a Jim Lee, and... I think that's a lot of what this artist does. <laughs> it and, is. But just like doing it poorly, you know? And Lex's face is so crazy. Yeah, the emotions don't really like match like what the tone should be for his stuff sometimes. Okay, we're done with the Supergirl and Team Luther. So we're on to this fake magazine called News Time. And I have another trivia question for you, Dennis. Okay. What is the name of the movie that now-reported-dead comedian Morty Beckman stars in, according to News Time, The Life and Death of Superman? Um, you should know this. <laughs> <laughs> the Atomic Skull. Ooh, that'd be fun. But fun is not the name of the game. So it's A, Club Red, B, Month Long at Morty's, or C, Firefighter Academy 3. I like Month Long at Morty's, because if Morty's dead, that plays into the thing. Although, that could just be you being funny. Could be me being funny, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Is that your final answer? Obviously, I mean, I, I said it. <laughs> it's okay. clearly wrong, because you just admitted that that's the joke. Yeah, uh, it's a joke. <laughs> it's like Weekend at Bernie's. You, you yeah. got it. But it's Club Red. Which, let me, because I didn't put it in there. There's an ad for it in here. So it looks like it's about going to Cuba, and, like, there, that's that's Morty Beckman, I guess, at least in a cartoon drawing. He's this comedian, kind of a Robin Williams type or something. But, 
Apparently yeah, the movie okay. is still coming out even though he died. I but, don't know this character. <laughs> well, there was a previous trivia question where it was that... <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> that it was him, Clark Kent, and uh, this like baseball player that were all like missing persons of, of note from the Doomsday disaster. So uh, I see. The baseball player is was rescued. Marty Beckman died, and Clark Kent is still missing. I have a I have a feeling they're never going to find that body. The Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Kroger's keep trying to comfort Lois to tell her that you know there's a chance they'll find Clark. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this yeah. So it's news time, May 1993. It's called the Life and Death of the Man of Steel or World World Without a Superman which is also what they threw on that trade collection, like I said. The cover painting is by Dennis Rodier, the guy I can't say, to mimic Jimmy Olsen's photograph of Superman's cape after fighting Doomsday. There are fake ads throughout the magazine here. There's ads for Wayne Tech, Cool no, Brow, Ferris Aircraft, Samson Building Technologies, GBS in the Mornings, which features... Teeny Titans, Turtle Boy, and the Courageous Man. I like their Teeny Titans look so similar to what like the Teen, teen Titans Go looks like. Yeah, uh, it's not far off. <laughs> it just took them like another 20 years or whatever yeah. I guess, to figure that out. <laughs> There's also ads for Soda Cola, which Rick mentioned on the previous episode. And... Camelot 3000 by Arthurian Motor Cars Limited. Just some car ad that's like a two-page spread, I guess, to fill up space. And, of course, that Club Red movie ad starring Marty Beckman, which I showed you. There's a Big Belly ad. There's an ad for Lex Air. All Seasons Resorts and Hotels and also Lex Oil. Sorry, I just wanted to cover all those ads. Yeah. (laughs) And it's made very much to look like uh, Newsweek or Time Magazine which obviously news time is just merging the, those two names together. It's oversized and has slick paper. It starts with a letter from the publisher by Colin Thornton, AKA Satanist. <laughs> and uh, in his human form though, in the photograph for the publisher. And he mentions working in collaboration with the daily planet. There's a letters page that mentions their past issue about a nuclear disaster in Karak. And, I was like, what is this talking about? And so I had to look it up that in the DC wiki, I guess the majority of Karak's oil reserves were contaminated with a nuclear device, which rendered the nation's foremost natural resource unavailable. And then a military dictator dictator blamed the disaster on Western operatives trying to overthrow his regime. But most people thought it was actually the Karakis that caused the radiation from testing a nuclear device without proper care or shielding. Wow. Okay. And then since after that, Marlowe or the general used that disaster as justification to embark on a course of international terrorism. So yeah. Now this, that's, I feel like that's a lot of um, strange in world politics that I don't necessarily need from like my DC comics, you know? No, and it's, like, weird that they try to distance it with under this, like, the fake country name 
thing. It's like if you're going that far, like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's another letter that mentions the news time building disappearance, which was when they went to hell or whatever. And then also, I guess Guy Gardner like leveled city blocks and Times Squares and declared war on scum was like a thing that happened <laughs> in at around this time. Oh, guy. The magazine also mentions in an article Markham getting arrested for the attempted murder on Lex Luthor, his Lex Luthor's broken leg, and then about how Superman's corpse was missing for a while. Maybe the best thing in this whole magazine, though, for me, is the quote-unquote photo taken by Jimmy Olsen of the back of Lois Lane holding dead Superman. Yeah. Because it's hilarious I love and this. it's also accurate to the comic book, which like was a thing I pointed out about like yeah. what a terrible photo it would be because <laughs> he was on the wrong side. Yeah, I love this drawing because we did talk about it. Like the famous, the best drawing of the image has him taking a photo, but he's in the background and the all the dramatic stuff is happening from the viewer. Yeah. <laughs> so I just that was great to me. I was like, thank you for giving me this in this in world magazine thing. I also, I just want to point out that there's a kind of coloring error, which also just highlights, like, what a messy pose this is, where Superman's hair gets colored in the same color as Lois's. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I even noticed that. The I don't think the colorist knew oh, where... Oh, I didn't even see that. Good eye, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the colorist knew where one's hair started, stopped and the others began. You know what I always thought was odd as a kid with Superman's hair with the coloring? And I think it maybe stopped it and stopped it. It stopped in the uh, modern era, like John Byrne or whatever. But they used to like throw like the like the the blue, like the cyan, like from like his suit would go in to fill in the blacks. Yeah. So I would always be confused. That it was like, why does he have blue hair? Yeah, uh, they did that with like Wolverine. Also, he had blue hair. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I remember it is weird. Superman. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so there's a bunch of articles in this fake magazine. There's an article about Doomsday, and it mentions that Superman cult that apparently it started in California. And they, they talk about Superman as if he's a god and Doomsday as if it was the devil. Someone, this is just people have a bunch of different theories about like, what is Doomsday? Where did he come from? Someone suggests that Doomsday is a legacy of the Cold War and was a secret project by the Soviets. I thought that was kind of fun. Hamilton suggests that Doomsday is an alien, which is closer to what ends up being the truth. There's an article about the Justice League, about, like, you know, can we trust this new Justice League, and who are they and stuff. It mentions how 300 buildings were destroyed, like, from Doomsday and Superman, 1,100 vehicles, tens of thousands injured or missing, thousands more dead, and the estimates of the damage are in the hundreds of billions of dollars. I think they would say trillions of dollars like nowadays, but like, I don't know if like all of it came across in like the reading of the comic, but like, that sounds like, yeah. like FEMA needs to be put in place. Like that's terrible. <laughs> you know, like this is bad news for like everywhere. Oh, and Guy Gardner has something to say about Superman fighting doomsday, I guess. So Dennis, if you could let us know his thoughts for number six there. Yeah, I'm tough and I heal real good. Of course, I didn't take as many hits as that super guy. I, I didn't much get along with him. 
But he, but he did what he had to do. He bought the farm, sure. But he still took Do- Doomsday down. You gotta respect a man like that. That super guy, because Superman is such a hard <laughs> thing to re- remember. Very disrespectful, Guy Gardner. <laughs> um, they also talked to Bloodwind. And I still don't know if this is like Bloodwind, Bloodwind, or the Martian Manhunter <laughs> pretending to be Bloodwind. But they call Bloodwind a purported sorcerer. So I guess Bloodwind's supposed to be like DC's Doctor <laughs> Strange or something. I don't know. Weird. Isn't that Doctor Fate? <laughs> yeah, that would make more sense. Why aren't we just using them? The article about the Justice League also mentions... Wonder Woman is a firm believer in nonviolence, which this seems to be a thing I keep running across in this era of Wonder Woman. And I just don't get it. Like I can understand like not wanting to like resort to violence as a first cause, but it's just like, this is what she does. You know, like yeah. it just is trying to make her say like, I don't start fights or something. I end them. And then there's black condor who is that one of the new characters of the justice league this is a really wild thing, and I have no idea if it's in the comics or not. But in this magazine, he claims that he was raised as a child by giant condors. <laughs> <laughs> How is he alive? <laughs> and, okay, so one of the last things in the magazine is that there's a bunch of quotes about Superman from real people and also from DC characters. And I don't know if it's the real people actually contributing to these quotes or what but like dennis if you could do the william shatner one is number seven and then pendulette is after that <laughs> but we'll give a pause in between all right when i was six i thought i could fly i mean why not superman could fl- could so i took my t- sorry i'm not gonna do the rest of that voice that's okay i got me in the beginning <laughs> so i took my towel and tucked it in the back of my t-shirt that was my cape stood atop the dresser in my parents' bedroom and leapt for the skies. When I returned from the hospital, reality had crash-landed. I'm sorry to hear that reality crash-landed on Superman as well. Very good. This confused me. This one, though, it's like one of the first celebrity quotes, and it's just like, okay, this is the modern Superman reboot. William Shatner, they're, like, whether this is him or, like, they made this up for him, they're saying that, like, he's talking about when he was a kid and he pretended to be Superman... Which means... Yeah, that is confusing. <laughs> That's breaking the world a little. Um, yeah, that broke my... That must that must have been what bit. Shatner actually said when he was like reached for comments about Superman's death. And he was like, that why are you... Makes me think that that's the case, but then like all these quotes are kind of terribly written. Like they, well, the Pendulette one feels a little bit close to maybe what he would say if you want to read that one next. He'll have to die in a few more media before we're impressed. Penn and Teller have died in feature films, Miami Vice, TV specials, and on stage in more ways than one. Like, that felt like a pendulum line. Yeah. Um, there's, okay, other quotes, though, that I, I I typed out some of these, and I was like, this is too much to read. But um, other people in there are Dan Rather, Brad Roberts, who's the lead, lead singer of Crash Test Dummies, who has that <laughs> Superman song. Mm. Yeah, and like it's a really long quote where like he talks about guys like coming up to him asking about like his motivation for putting Solomon Grundy in there and he just says it's because it rhymes with money, 
which it doesn't really. But anyway, and then there's <laughs> Buck Henry, Shaquille O'Neal, star of Steel. Nice. B- Bill Plimpton, the animator, which Whoa, is an interesting okay. poll. Larry N- Niven, who I think is like a sci-fi writer. And then there's a very long-winded story by John Goodman about killing Mr. McSpittalik in a hot dog cart, which, like, I had typed out that full thing that I was like, this is too much. But it was very strange. Is that a real-life story where John Goodman killed Mr. McSpittalik? Or he killed some hot dog vendor and he claimed it was Mr. McSpittalik. Like, I think a part of my brain would accept if you were, like, an imp from another dimension came to Earth and to our Earth in reality, and John Goodman killed it. I'd be like, yeah, I don't understand John Goodman, so I don't understand what his human limitations are. That makes sense. Yeah, he was Fred Flintstone. <laughs> I'll show you the life of the mind. <laughs> uh, other mentions at the end of the magazine are about how Turtle Boy, the show, is airing reruns because Jimmy Olsen doesn't want to do it anymore. Oh, Hank the Hammer... The former baseball star was rescued. That's the guy I was talking about. And Marty Beckman was found dead. But Clark Kent, it's got a big write-up about him still being missing. And it mentions novels that he wrote, including one called Under a Yellow Sun, which they did turn into a graphic novel that was published in March of 1994, like the following year. Which oh, I didn't know that. Really weird. Yeah, I read this. I had no idea he had written so many like novels and that they were such hits i don't know i i mean i think you would not have stayed a reporter if they were really like hit hits you know i mean the ja- the janice contract was a bestseller if they say so anyway we're on to our last comic dennis hurrah and also hurrah. well your last other than the bonus question trivia question so who rescues gangbuster from the river after he disrupts a sting operation and gets shot in the arm in Adventures of Superman 500. It's uh, the Eradicator. Ooh, that'd be... Uh, that actually falls into one of the choices, so let me read the other choices. And that means maybe you should consider your choices. <laughs> a, High Pockets. B, Bibbo. Or C, one of the four new Supermen. Uh, I'll say... Bibbo. Although there are three other supermen that it could be that saved him. All right, you're confusing me, Yoder. <laughs> I just didn't want to eliminate C completely. C is kind of a trick because it's multiple. But you say Bibbo? Yes, I say Bibbo. Even though I am like, why would you even say High Pockets? It is High Pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Our good friend High Pockets returns to drag Gangbuster out of the river. And Gangbuster takes, like, a big swig of High Pockets, like, bottle of hooch, because he got shot in the arm. (laughs) So, this is the Adventures of Superman number 500. In the triangle, it says early June 1993, or that's just on the information on the comic. But it's number 11 in the reading order for 1993. And the titles are Back from the Dead, The Man of Steel Fights for His Life, or Life After Death. We've got Tom Grummet on pencils. Doug Hazelwood on inks and tones, which I thought was interesting that they credited tones as well because he uses a lot for all the like heaven-like sequences. Oh, I see. And then Jerry Ordway is on story, and that this is the last Superman comic that Jerry Ordway was on at this time. So, I have a question about these covers you sent me. Yeah. In the second one, the non-hologram cover, I assume that that is Pa Kent. 
Yeah. It looks like he has a ponytail. Am I reading that right? I think that's supposed to be like just the other sweeping hair of like Blaze or like one of the characters in the background behind him. It's not supposed to be his own hair. That's probably like a coloring error. Ah, okay. It does look like you're probably not of these hair coloring errors. That's uh, but I don't I'm know why you, that's where my brain is going. Uh. That and word puns. But I'm glad you pointed out the two covers because there's the direct edition has like a painted hologrammy type cover by Jerry Ordway. And then the newsstand cover is green, mainly with like all these floating heads behind Superman and Pa Kent. And that one's by Tom Grummet. So Jonathan Kent is barely alive after his heart. I, I want to say incident. I don't know if it, they ever declare it's a heart a- attack in the comic. And he goes on a spiritual journey where he sees Superman. And Martha doesn't want to leave Jonathan's side and let the hospital workers do their work until Lois Lane shows up. And that gets her out of the room so that, you know, they can take care of Paul Kent, Jonathan Kent, Jonathan Kent. Like he goes on, like, just kind of like the idea of, I guess, like your life flashes before your eyes when you die sort of thing. He goes from like Korean war to his like farm, seeing his brother who died from a thresher machine, I guess. Oh, gruesome. Also his dad, rescuing Jonathan from the time he fell down a well. He He's trying to, like, in his... You know, it's kind of like a dream logic sort of thing, too, where, like, in the Korean War sequence, it's like he's looking for a pilot that is missing, a, f- a flyman, he says uh. at some point. And, like, you know, the first thing he sees is Clark, but, like, Clark's like, no, I'm... You're not meant to be here, but I'm supposed to, you know, like, this is my time. But Jonathan Kent ends up meeting Blaze, who's, like, in hell, and she offers to, like, you know, give him what he wants. Basically a deal with the devil, but Jonathan turns that down, and he gets to meet the naked space lady Kismet instead, which I probably included too many drawings of that in the preview images. I'm just, I don't know, maybe this is, you know, in the community where the dean, like, watches the Dalmatian videos and he's like, oh no, it's like... <laughs> I hope this doesn't awaken something in me. Yeah, it's like g- giant giant naked space ladies with a cape, something about that. Anyway. Yeah, no, I dig this drawing. These, I, I always dig kind of cosmic beings who have like interstellar space like as part of their body. I know like other things do that, but I'm like, that always appeals to me for some reason. I'd float in her planets if... You know, oh, I okay. <laughs> I was trying to give you, like, an out. There. An out? Oh, yeah. What? Uh, no, it's a cool character. Yeah. <coughs> her her anyway, name is Kismet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> then Jonathan <laughs> sees Clark going through Kryptonian funeral procession. But hey, those aren't Kryptonians. They're demons. The one guy didn't look like a demon to me. He looked like he was just like uh, from the Planet of the Apes. Like, okay, well that is, oh god, you gotta call out these things. That guy is the guy that Superman met on Warworld, who was guarding the Eradicator ship for him for a long time. He was the cleric. Oh. Like the, the thing that was like a tiny version of Superman's ship that like he took to Earth. 
<sighs> he looks like I was gonna call him the lawgiver. Yeah, he does look a little Planet of the Apesy, Roddy. Well, not Roddy McDowell, but like one of those guys. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Superman and Pa Kent, they go through this black void instead of going into the light, and Jonathan Kent wakes up and he says he's brought Clark back, and. Lois flies back to Metropolis and she sees they call it a flying red blur go past her. Um, <laughs> and there's also news stories about Superman type sightings and turns out that Superman's grave is empty once again. Dun, dun, dun. And then the story ends. There's four different like four page like kind of hype you up previews of the different Superman, Reign of Superman things. So, well, and there's the whole gangbuster thing, which I mentioned kind of briefly. <laughs> gangbuster, like, interrupts an undercover cop bus. And he gets shot in the arm, jumps in the river, blah, 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 blah. Also, Cat Grant, I think I might have included a picture of this. Cat Grant mm-hmm. gets sexually harassed by her boss and then agrees to go out on dinner with him, of Oof. course. And, uh, Dang, cat. Jimmy Olsen isn't showing up for Turtle Boy tapings like he's supposed to. (laughs) Then we get these four-page previews. So there's a Steel preview. Luis Simonson is the writer. John Bogdano, penciler. Dennis Tronke is inker. There's this lady called Rabbit, I guess, giving these giant guns called Toastmasters to gangs. The main thing is that John Henry Irons rises from the rubble saying, Doomsday, gotta stop Doomsday. And then there's... An Eradicator preview. Roger Stern is the writer. Jackson Geis layouts. Dennis Roger as finishes. <laughs> and Eradicator stops a carjacker, but maybe kills him too. Dennis, if you could read number nine for your Eradicator impression. Stop. There is <laughs> not that Eradicator. Stop. There is no escape for such as you. You must pay the price for your crimes. I have passed through the fire and darkness and been changed. I have risen from the dead to continue the never-ending battle. I shall use the power that is mine as Krypton's son to bring justice to this earth. And all who sin shall know the vengeance of Superman. Yeah. That doesn't sound as much like Superman to me as like the guy that turns the belly burger into a weird Kryptonian belly burger. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Um, we get a Superboy slash Metropolis Kid preview from Carl Kessel who's the writer don't ever call me Superboy well man you (laughs) stole it right from me yep that's that's what we end on and Doug Hazelwood on inks so Superboy Metropolis Kid don't call me Superboy escapes from Cadmus Labs with some help from the Newsboy Legion where of course he was created by Westfield like that just seems obvious at this point but he gets away and he's given his iconic jacket by one of the newsboy legion which i found like interesting like they just had that huh, on him okay then there's the cyborg preview with dan jurgens writer and layouts and brett breeding finishes so cyborg superman shows up destroys a plaque honoring where superman died and then turns to a family of tourists and says uh yeah i'm thinking i'm back uh, <laughs> people could bask in me if i'm back <laughs> that's funny but, you say it because i 
due to the fact that Cyborg Superman is the Terminator, I read it more as like I'm back. Yeah, that's that's what they were going for. But I wanted to throw a little more modern spin on there. <laughs> so the letter column, I don't really usually mention these, but like it mentions that there's a platinum Superman 75 that was sent like as a re- retailer ex- exclusive. And it's also been sent to certain like the letter writers for their like no prize thing, I guess, oh. like around this time. So I guess that's a valuable version of Superman 75 to have. And it mentions also, like I said, that this is Jerry Ordway's last issue. And he went on to do a painted graphic novel, The Power of Shazam, that then became like an ongoing series that he wrote and did painted covers of, I think. And like, honestly, like I'm kind of slightly curious to check those out, maybe. Yeah. Whenever I'm done reading Superman comics, I guess. (laughs) But I got a bonus question for you. Which Mega Man game has an ad on the inside back cover for The Adventures of Superman, number 500? Jeez. I mean, you're really testing my, like, how well do I remember Nintendo era? Well, this is a long episode, but this was, like, my idea to pad it out when we had Rick on with the video game (laughs) stuff. And, like, Rick would probably have been, like, I was thinking he could be your lifeline here to maybe Uh, get it. Let's call him up. (laughs) Uh, So this is 92. So, like, yeah, okay. I don't know, Mega Man 6, maybe? Ooh, that's one of the choices. Is it one of the right choices? We'll find out after this. No, uh, A, Mega Man 4, (laughs) B, Mega Man 5, or C, Mega Man 6. I think it's Mega Man 6. You're going to stick with the answer after I give you the choices? All right, fine. It's Mega Man 5. It's got to be a high up one. It is Mega Man 5. Look at all that colorful goodness. And then look at what the game actually looks like in the screen below. It's fun. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sure it was a fun game. So you get double points for that one, though. All right. Because it's a bonus. So you got four, two, two. Wait. Oh. That was the wrong answer. <laughs> two, two. That's four. Plus four. That equals eight. Plus the 276 is what, Dennis? What? I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. I'm not even sure how many points I got right. You got eight points. You were you were at 276. Now you're at 284. If that's Getting how many closer. But I'm done talking about Superman. I don't know if something's in the microwave again. My internet seems to be kind of weird. Uh, but I will just say, don't microwave while you're trying to podcast or you'll be a Lex loser. Oh, no, wait, I forgot our promo things. Dennis, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me online at Dennis Comics. That's Dennis with one N, Comics with an X. That's my Instagram, my Twitter, and my .com. My Patreon is Dennis St. John. And occasionally, we release episodes of Buffy Virgin. Yeah, you do. And I'm on Twitter as Awesome Yoder, but maybe I should change it to Lex Loser. That would be a good username. <laughs> All right. Till next time. <laughs>